Welcome to the Plainfield Christian Church Podcast. We hope that the message today encourages you. For additional resources to inspire you in your journey with Christ, connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Enjoy today's podcast. Well, hey, church, we are wrapping up our series through the book of Galatians today. And for the whole month of April, we've been exploring this book and talking about the freedom that God gives us. Our text for today is Galatians chapter 5, and part of this text will probably sound familiar to you. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul's just gotten done talking about how we are adopted into God's family through faith in Jesus. And now he's going to tell us how to live the Christian life. Here's what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. He says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. And we've all felt that, right? That deep internal conflict that I want to do what I'm not supposed to do and I don't want to do what I know I should do. Paul goes on. He says, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. So what Paul's saying here is that if you follow your body and the appetites of your body and you let those control you, then that's going to lead to relational dysfunction and even self-destruction. In fact, Paul goes on to say, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow, those those are strong words. But he says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Like many of you, I've been spending a lot of time lately working outside in the yard or in the garden or in the flower bed. And Paul describes our soul here as a garden. And you get to choose what grows there, the fruit of the spirit or the works of the flesh. We could call it the weeds of the flesh. Now, when Paul talks about the flesh, he's talking about our bodies. And our flesh isn't inherently evil. It's just weak. You see, our bodies have these natural appetites. We get hungry and we get thirsty and we desire approval and we have sexual desires and we get tired and those appetites aren't bad. Those are good and God-given things. But when we let those appetites control us and master us, we can quickly become enslaved to our own bodies and the tendencies that lie within them. You know, our, our bodies, they make great servants, but terrible masters. And so, Paul says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. The people who live by the appetites of their bodies do things like engaging in any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage between one man and one woman. They cause division and stir up conflict and drama and throw temper tantrums and are out of control in their alcohol consumption. And Paul says that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
This is serious stuff. That's really strong words. He's saying that if you allow the works of the flesh to take root in your heart, they will choke out the fruit of the spirit. So if you call yourself a Christian today and yet you see some of your behavior on that list, then we need to think really hard about this. That's a bad sign. Because one of the principles of nature is that we judge a root by its fruit, right? That we know an apple tree is an apple tree because it produces apples. But if an apple tree produces pears, well, it ain't an apple tree, is it? And similarly, if we consider ourselves to be Christians, then we have to take a good hard look at the fruit that is growing in our hearts. Is there envy in your heart? Is there bitterness, anger, jealousy? Is there, is there secrecy? Is there deception or lust growing in your heart? We could go on and on, of course. But if the works of the flesh are taking root in your heart and choking out the fruit of the spirit, then I hope a warning light is going off on your spiritual dashboard right now. Because Paul's been saying all along that if we have good roots, then we should bear good fruits. And the book of Galatians has been all about making sure that we have good roots, that we are remaining rooted in the true gospel, the good news of Jesus. And the good news is simply this, that we were sinners, but that God did not leave us stuck in our sin. No, he sent Jesus who came to us and who lived a perfect life and died for us. And he lay there dead in the tomb on Friday night and Saturday. But on Sunday morning, he rose from the dead and he is alive today, ruling over all creation. And by simply placing your faith in him, you get to join his kingdom and be adopted into his family. And then he fills you with his presence, his Holy Spirit, who empowers you to live the life that he is calling you to live. That's the good news, the gospel. And when we remain rooted in the gospel, we will bear good fruit. Good roots bear good fruits. And Paul tells us what those fruits are. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. I wish you would have just said patience, don't you? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now that's good fruit. But here's the thing about fruit. It's not like that when you become a Christian, God just hands you this big old basket of nice, delicious, ripe, fully developed fruit for you. It's not like you came out of the waters of the baptistry and all of a sudden you were totally mature and you're never impatient or insecure and you never worry again. No, rather than giving us fully developed fruit, God gives us seeds and he gives us situations, soil, if you will, in which we get to choose whether or not we will let those seeds take root. I heard the story of a man recently by the name of Lawrence Ripple. Lawrence Ripple is a 70-year-old guy who a few years ago walked into a bank in Kansas City and put a note down on the counter saying that he had a gun and he was demanding money. Well, the teller handed over $3,000, but instead of running away or hopping in a getaway car, Lawrence Ripple just sat down there in the lobby of the bank and waited for the police to show up. <laughs> Needless to say, this was a little bit unusual. And when the police showed up, Lawrence Ripple just handed the money back and said that actually he wanted to go to prison just so he could get away from his wife. <laughs> they must have had a pretty rough week. Well, Lawrence Ripple ended up pleading guilty to robbery and he was sentenced to 50 hours of community service and he had to pay a fine and he was on probation for three years. But get this, I love this. The judge also sentenced him to six months house arrest. <laughs> 
And, and maybe that's what you're feeling right now. Maybe this quarantine is starting to feel a little less like a staycation and a little bit more like a house arrest. And maybe you feel like you're living in the Brady Bunch theme song video. We're all just kind of stuck in our own little digital boxes. And maybe, maybe there's a growing frustration, a growing weariness, a growing anxiety in your life. But, but what if, what if God is giving you soil? What if he is giving you the opportunity to grow some fruit? You see, these fruits aren't things that we grow in isolation. These virtues, these fruits of the spirit, they take root in our hearts in community. We don't just become more godly sitting off by ourselves somewhere meditating on a mountaintop. We become more godly when we are placed in situations that test us. And when we are faced with a choice of what we're going to grow, the fruit of the spirit or the works and weeds of the flesh. It's like this. Maybe, maybe your wife is running late again. What if God is giving you the opportunity to plant the seed of patience? Or maybe you're isolated right now and you're struggling again with that same old addiction that you thought you had whipped. What if God is giving you the opportunity to plant the seed of self-control and to pull some of those old weeds, those works of the flesh? Maybe right now you're facing financial uncertainty. What if God is giving you the chance to water the seed of peace, peace that passes understanding? Maybe your husband has been really consumed with work lately and he's been inattentive and he doesn't appreciate all the things that you do. But what if God is trying to get the seedling of selfless love to take root in your heart? Uh, maybe you're really tired of waking up in the same old house with the same old people and doing the same old thing over and over and over again. What if God is trying to teach you to grow the fruit of relentless joy? What if uh, you just got done cleaning your house and your kid spills lucky charms all over that freshly shampooed carpet? Maybe God is giving you the opportunity to let the seed of gentleness take root. Maybe there's a woman at work who's showing you a lot of attention and she laughs at your jokes and she makes you feel good. In fact, she makes you feel better than your wife has lately. But what if God is giving you a chance to nourish the fruit of faithfulness? Or, or, or maybe you feel like, like, like you're lost. Maybe you feel like you're, you're overloaded and, and maybe you feel like you're even overlooked and mistreated by the people around you and they've hurt you and it doesn't seem like it's gonna change. Maybe God is trying to get you to plant the seed of goodness. Maybe your, your siblings are driving you nuts. They're bugging you. They're all over you. You're tired of just being cramped in the same house together. Maybe God is trying to teach you to grow the fruit of kindness in your heart. I don't know what situation you're in right now, but I do know that God is giving you some soil and he's giving you some seeds and he would like to grow some fruit. Maybe when you get done watching the church service today, you could uh, go outside. Maybe you could work with your family in the yard or the flower bed or the garden. Maybe you could pull some weeds and plant some seeds. If you don't have a flower bed or a garden, that's all right. You can actually plant a lot of the herbs that are in your pantry if you just get a cup of dirt or maybe you could go to the store and get some seeds. But as you work, maybe you could talk together as a family 
What are some of the fruits that God might be trying to grow in you during this season? James Mishner is one of the great authors of the 20th century. And when James Mishner was an old man in his 80s and after he'd suffered a great deal in his life, he sat down to write his memoir. And he began his memoir by recalling a story from his childhood when he was just five years old. Mishner writes this. He says, the farmer living at the end of our lane had an aging apple tree that had once been abundantly productive, but had now lost its energy and ability to bear any fruit at all. The farmer, on an early spring day, I still remember, hammered eight nails, long and rusty, into the trunk of the tree. Four were knocked in close to the ground on four different sides of the trunk, four higher up and well-spaced about the circumference. And that autumn, a miracle happened. That tired old tree, having been goaded back to life, produced a bumper crop of juicy red apples, bigger and better than we had seen before. When I asked how this had happened, the farmer explained, well, hammering in the rusty nails gave it a shock to remind it that its job is to produce apples. Maybe you're feeling hammered right now. Maybe you're feeling the pressure. Maybe life just hurts right now. But when you get in a situation that tempts you or tests you or shocks you or shakes you, don't forget that if you follow Jesus, God himself lives in you through the presence of his Holy Spirit. And maybe, just maybe, he's trying to pull some weeds and grow some fruit. Of course, the big question is, how? Well, stick around and we'll find out. If you're anything like me, you see that list of the fruit of the Spirit that we read earlier, and you want to be more like that. I want to be transformed. I wish God could just kind of zap me right now and make me totally loving and totally patient and totally self-controlled, just like that. But that's not how fruit works, is it? We planted some strawberries in our garden this year, but it would be pretty silly of me if I planted those strawberries in the morning and expected those seeds to grow and blossom into plants that would bear fruit that would be totally ripe and ready for me to eat by lunchtime. Because that's not how the growth process works. It takes time to grow fruit, and you kind of got to just let it happen. And in the same way, the Christian life isn't just about us gritting our teeth to muster up some love or trying really hard to be more joyful. In fact, if it was just up to us to try harder to bear this fruit, well, it'd fall flat every time because time and time again, we've proven that we can't do it on our own. That's what the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, when he reminds us, he says, After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? In other words, you can't do it. You need God himself to come and live in you and bear fruit through you as you surrender to him. Uh, aside from the Bible, one of the greatest works of all time on human transformation has to be the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Those 12 steps have helped countless people get out of the clutches of addiction and alcoholism. But did you know that in the 12 steps, not one time does it say, try really hard not to drink. It never says even decide not to drink. Actually, step number one is admit that you are powerless over alcohol. And step number two is believe that there is a power greater than you who can restore you. And step number three is turn over your life and your will to the care of God. 
It is an act of surrender to God, and that is how we are transformed. And in the same way, we bear the fruit of the Spirit when God himself comes and lives in us to work through us. And thankfully, that's what happens. When you follow Jesus, he comes and lives in you through the power of his Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit lives in us, one of his main jobs is what's called sanctification. Now, sanctification is just a big word that means making us more like Jesus. And the process of sanctification isn't so much about following a list of do's and don'ts. It's less about doing and more about being. Being with Jesus. It's not just about doing the right things, making sure you pray before every meal and read your Bible every day and go to church every week. It's less about a list of rules to be obeyed and more about a relationship to be enjoyed. And as we are being with Jesus, making room in our hearts for him, giving him space in our lives to transform us into who he's calling us to be, as we are being with him, ironically, we'll end up doing a lot of the same things. We will be reading our Bibles to hear from him, and we will be praying to talk to him, and we will be gathering with the church to worship him. But it's more about the relationship than the rules. I, I think a lot of us think of our relationship with Jesus kind of like this, like we're the phone and he's the charger. And so we come to church on Sunday to get plugged into Jesus and get our spiritual batteries charged up. And then we unplug and go back out into our week until our spiritual batteries start to run empty again. But then we come back to church on Sunday, plug into Jesus, get another jolt of energy and so on and so forth. It's the storage principle. Your cell phone runs on the storage principle. And so does your car. You fill up your tank and then you drive until your tank is just about empty. The storage principle. But not everything runs on the storage principle. I've gotten to go to Japan where I got to ride on the bullet train. And the bullet train doesn't run on the storage principle. It runs on the contact principle. And the contact principle is simply this. There's an electrical supply line that runs along the train tracks. And as long as that bullet train remains in contact with that supply line, it will have all the power that it needs. It will never run out of power and it will have every ounce of electricity that it needs to do the job it was designed to do. And in the same way, when we maintain contact with Jesus, he gives us the power to do what he's made us to do, to bear the fruit that he's calling us to bear. It's the contact principle. Jesus himself talks about this in John chapter 15, verse 5, when he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. It's the contact principle. And I think perhaps that's what Paul's getting at here in Galatians chapter 5 when he uses this metaphor to describe the Christian life. Did you catch the metaphor? Right before and again right after he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, he describes the Christian life as a walk. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, he says, So I say to you, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Verse 18, he says, So if you are led by the Spirit, then you're no longer under the law. Verse 25, he says, Since then we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The Christian life is a walk. And this kind of walking imagery isn't original to Paul. In fact, Jesus has been saying this all along. From the very beginning, when he called his first disciples and he said, come follow me. And in John chapter 14, Jesus described himself as the way, the truth, and the life. 
In the book of Acts, we see that the earliest Christians were known as followers of the way. The Christian life has always been a journey, a walk. And we see this imagery all throughout scripture. It's scattered all over the New Testament. Things like walk in truth, walk in contentment, walk in purity, walk separate from sin, walk differently than the world, walk in light, walk in love, walk in wisdom, walk as Jesus did. And here in Galatians 5, Paul says, walk by the Spirit. Now, keep in mind, in the ancient world, that walking was pretty much how everybody got where they needed to go. And so, with this command to walk, there's a certain dailiness to it, a slowness even, and yet a continual progress. If you became a Christian just to get saved and get your ticket to heaven stamped, but you didn't plan on actually changing your life or having your personality transformed, then I think you're in for quite a surprise. Because as you follow Jesus... He will change you, and he will make you more like him, a little less sinful, a little more surrendered to his Holy Spirit. And as you walk with him day by day, decision by decision, step by step, he will grow the fruit of his character in you. I heard the story of an old carpenter who decided to retire, and when he told his boss, his boss said, well, that's too bad. I'm sorry to hear that. You've done such great work for us all these years. Tell you what, just as a favor, could you build one last house for me before you retire? And the carpenter agreed. And so he set about the job, but it didn't take very long to figure out that his heart wasn't really in it. He was ready to kind of move on from the construction industry and get on with his retirement. And so he did half-hearted work, didn't put in a pool, no granite countertops, no hardwood floors. He used the cheaper materials, those thin, hollow wood doors and lopsided framing, sloppy paint job. But he got the house done. And later, when the boss came to inspect the house, the carpenter was shocked when the boss pulled out the key to the front door and handed it to the carpenter and said, here you go, congratulations. This house is a gift from me to you just to say thank you for all your years of hard work. Oh man, if only the carpenter would have known that he was building his own house. He would have paid more attention. He would have been more faithful in the little details. And the principle is this, you are building a life, one decision at a time. So what kind of life will you build? Perhaps you've heard the old saying, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. You are building your life one decision at a time, and with each decision that you make, you will either become more like Jesus or less like Him. You will either allow the fruit of the Spirit to flourish within your soul, or you will allow the works of the flesh to choke them out. Because here's the truth. Nobody drifts into spiritual maturity. Let me say that again. Nobody drifts into spiritual maturity. Just like you don't stumble into getting a PhD or you don't couch potato your way into having a six-pack, nobody drifts into spiritual maturity. Jen Wilkins says that we will not wake up 10 years from now to discover that we have passively taken on the character of God. Nobody drifts into spiritual maturity. It takes a daily consistent effort putting habits into our lives each and every day to allow the Holy Spirit room to work in our hearts. It's the contact 
principle. And I think that's what Paul's getting at here when he tells us to keep in step with the Spirit, that this Christian life, the life of becoming more like Jesus, unfolds one step at a time, one decision at a time. I was in marching band back in school, and if you've ever heard that trumpet player who sounds like a dying elephant, (laughs) that was me. But I do remember from marching band that they taught us how to keep in step. And that as we marched, they told us to keep our eyes forward, but that with our peripheral vision, we were to make sure that our steps were aligned with the person in front of us. And that in order to keep our line straight, we were to keep the pace with the person to the left of us. And in that way, we would remain focused ahead of us, but we were aware enough of what was going on around the edges that we could keep our steps synchronized with each other. And that's what Paul's telling us to do when he tells us to keep in step with the Spirit. The spiritual teacher Thomas Kelly says that there's a way of ordering our mental lives on more than one level at once. That on one level, on the outside, we can be going about the tasks of our day and seeing things and having discussions and calculating and making decisions and going about the external affairs that we all do on a daily basis. But he says, deep within, on another level, we can simultaneously be in prayer and adoration and worship and song and a gentle receptiveness to divine breathings. He says, stay in contact with Jesus. If I'm being totally honest with you, uh, my guess is that I've been through this sermon out loud roughly between 20 and 25 times, between trying to work on memorizing it, and then we spent several hours yesterday filming this sermon, and this morning we found out that our efforts were for naught, and through a few little glitches where we're having to redo it all today, and I felt in my heart a growing frustration, and then deep within my spirit I heard a gentle breathing Then I realized that perhaps, maybe just maybe, God was giving me soil in which to grow the fruit of patience. And so I laughed. As you go about your day, make room for God. Give space in your heart to the Holy Spirit. Stay in contact with Jesus. As you have conversations, talk to God and ask him what he wants you to say to that person. How he wants you to love the person in front of you, how he wants you to listen to them. As you begin your work for the day, ask God to help you represent him well in the tasks that you will undertake. As you get frustrated, ask him to help you demonstrate his grace and his peace and his love. As you wash the dishes, thank Jesus for washing away your sin. As you take a shower, sing a song of praise to him for everything that he has given you. And as you go through your day, just stay in contact with Jesus. And for many of you, I I know that you are doing this. We get the privilege of watching you live out your faith, and it's an honor to do so. But, But maybe today you're feeling frustrated because you failed again, or maybe you're feeling discouraged by what seems like a lack of fruit in your life, and you're genuinely trying to do what God is asking you to do, and yet it just seems like there's not as much progress as you think there should be. If that's you today, let me encourage you. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you are covered in his grace. So just keep walking. Uh, Our youngest son, Cal, is kind of learning to take his first steps right now. And it's really fun to watch, but the kid falls down all the time, every day. But as his father, I'm not mad when I see him stumble. 
In fact, I'm thrilled just that he's learning how to walk, that he's taking steps, that he's coming closer to me. And that's what your father in heaven wants. Just take another step closer to him today. And as you do, as you learn to listen to his voice and to obey him, to embrace his grace and surrender to his Holy Spirit, day by day, decision by decision, step by step, he will grow the fruit of his character in you. So to close, let me encourage you with the words of the Apostle Paul from the very next chapter in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. He says, let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. It's our desire for you to grow in your understanding of Christ's love as you partner with us in our mission to love all people to new life in Christ. If you have any questions about our church or would like to plan a visit with us, go to plainfieldchristian.com. If you would like to receive our podcast every week, we encourage you to subscribe to the Plainfield Christian Church podcast on whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Have a great week.